It's good to see you here this morning. As we get started, I have uh, an announcement to make. Next week, uh, Noreen and I will be gone, and Sarah. Noreen and Sarah and I, we will be gone. Uh, We've got a wedding to go to. Yeah. And... So we're excited about next next weekend, and uh, so I hope that you folks will uh, be here to be an encouragement to Walter Heaton and his uh, his family and his his ministry here. I know there's also a family camp at, at Cowboys Rest. So um, for those that aren't traveling, you know, one way or another, I hope you can be here for uh, hearing Walter Heaton. Um, some of you know our son, Sam. Uh, many of you do not. <laughs> uh, those that know him, you, you might not have received a wedding invitation, but there is a, a little card out in the foyer that we'd like you to pick up. Uh, it's regarding a, a Fallon wedding reception in, on September 11th. And uh, Sam and Kimberly will be here that weekend. And uh, we'll, uh, it'll be a Saturday a wedding reception over in the Fellowship Hall. We'd love to invite you to that. Uh, so please feel free to come 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock Saturday, September 11th. Also, the following weekend, uh, we will be gone also. And another kind of a big event in our family. Uh, Noreen and I are taking Sarah back to college. And... Uh, And think this would happen. <laughs> it's um, it's good. <laughs> it's good. We thank the Lord for what He's done there, and um, we got to help her get settled and set for a new uh, um, her senior year. She has one more year of college to go, so we're going to be gone that weekend, and um, then we'll be back. And we're excited about Brennan and Stephanie Beheimer getting back in September. So. Uh, some good things. God is good. Thank you, God. Um, we praise Him. So, uh, I think that covers it. Amen? Amen? All right. Left off last time in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and um, we have this statement in, in verse 2, that is very far, it's far-reaching into every Christian's life. It's got to land in your heart and stay in your heart and show itself in your life. And what is that? It's the will of God. The will of God in your life, Christian, and corporately then for us as a church, the will of God. That's the aim of, of Christian living so that we might give glory to God in all that we do. Okay? So we mentioned last time the idea of the aim of Christian living is is determine the will of God and then delight in the will of God. How do you determine the will of God for your life? Well, it starts in verse 1 of chapter 12, Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. There it is, number one. If you're a Christian, you present your body. And number two, then you've got to renew your mind. You must renew your mind. 
You've been saved out of the world and you need to start thinking like Christ wants you to think. Okay? So that was what we've covered in the last couple of weeks. Now we come here today to talk about embracing the will of God. The beautiful will of God for your life. You know, it's not just some dry thing about, oh, just it's the will of God. It's the beautiful will of God. Okay? And this morning, I hope to be a signpost for you to point you to a greater, deeper understanding of God's will for your life. One of the uh, previous catchphrases of Christianity um, in the last oh, 30 years or so is a bit misleading. And that catchphrase is this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That sounds good on the surface of things, but as you, Christian, have lived your Christian life for a number of years now, how really wonderful has that plan been? And do you say that right away? Oh, another part of God's wonderful plan for my life. No, we don't typically say that right away because we don't quite understand what's going on. And that, young people, that'll happen in your life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Older folks, you know, you've kind of been there. You say, I've been around the block on that one. You understand that one more. And it's difficult to bring these together. The the will of God and how delightful that's supposed to be and my life experiences, what in the world is going on? How can these two come together? You know, think about it. Why do we have the example of Job in the Bible? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, Job. Think about Joseph. Joseph in prison First, Joseph in the, in the pit, betrayed by his brothers. He's in the pit, and then he's in prison. What's going through his mind? Is it that little catchphrase? What a wonderful plan for my life. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they're, they're saying, Let's take, we'll, we'll stay standing. We're, go, we're not going to bow before this false god. We're going to stay standing. They stood... And, okay, follow through. Here we go. Right into the fiery furnace. What were they thinking? You know what they were thinking was, God's going to protect us. God will protect us. And God did. Uh, Another one that we don't typically think of, um, Jesus uh, exalted this person above all other men. John the Baptist. You know what? John the Baptist started doubting. You know where he was when he was doubting? He was in prison. And he started doubting. And he sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you, ask him if, if you're the one who is to come. And Jesus ended up saying, you know, go tell him, here's what's happening. Here's all this stuff happening. He didn't, Jesus didn't say to John the Baptist, Oh, just remember your experience with me in the wilderness. He didn't point back. He said, here's what God's doing. Here's what Jesus is doing. Healing the the sick. um, Giving sight to the blind. And blessed are you that aren't offended at me. Doubting. Okay. And so, 
there's things that we see, the, the examples that we see in the scriptures of people like me and you. And they faced very difficult situations. And I could add, I could add some of your names to this list of people. Even though you're not recorded in the scriptures, I could add some of your names as to say, you know, look at what you've gone through. Look at the, you know, this difficult situation. Why the pain? How come the pain? How come the suffering? How does it fit into God's plan? I don't understand this. And so it's important that we learn about embracing the beautiful will of God for our lives. The idea is Romans 12 tells us and teaches us, instructs us, so that we might be transformed more and more by God's Spirit, so that we might be little reflections. After all, let's think, you know, with sound judgment, right? Little reflections of God's glory. That's what you, Christian, are to be like. You're, you're to be like a little reflection of, of what Jesus Christ went through. With your finger there in Romans 12, turn over uh, a couple of books to Philippians. Philippians, hit Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians chapter 2. Uh, a familiar passage, but let's look at it. Let's read it. Follow along in Philippians 2, starting at verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves. Have this attitude in yourselves. Have this attitude in yourselves, right? (laughs) Which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And remember, what did Jesus deal with in the garden not my will but thy will be done and i have a hard time in my mind even bringing jesus into the equation on this issue of the will of god and and such but yet he the scriptures tell us he he battled with that not my will but thy will be done okay so living in his will then is the key for your life, Christian. Living in His will is the key to your life. And I want to give some basic steps here to understanding His will. So that back in Romans chapter 12 now, we're going to, part of this is going to be looking at what Paul describes as the will of God and others, other points in the outline that you have there in your bulletin will be from other passages. But I felt that it was important that we take this moment, this time, to talk about the beautiful will of God in our lives. So it starts with, number one, it's one life purpose. We've already mentioned that. It's, here's one life purpose. The will of God. It overrides everything. No matter what you do in life, no matter young people, no matter what you choose to do in life, it's the overarching theme that God's will be done in your life. Isn't that what you, isn't that what your heart longs to do? To really be where you say, I know that I'm in God's will. 
And a lot of times we, we get that confused. You know, we, we kind of clutter it up with, well, gee, I don't, you know, I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life. And we make it into a big kind of a mystery theater thing or a mystery game thing. I, I just don't know. I'm searching for God's will in my life. And I don't think God intended it to be so complicated. And that's what we want to understand as we move along in this time. So one life purpose. And under that little note, one life purpose, you can put Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17, where it says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then it goes on to talk about, well, here's what it is. Be filled with the Spirit. That's God's will for your life, Christian. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. That's His will for your life. Okay? Another one is, well, we could just say, well, with that reference, Ephesians 5.17, we could just put a little note there saying, know it. Know what? Know the will of God. Know it in your life. But it doesn't stop there. It goes to do it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, uh, 21 through 27. You can reference that, mark that down. Matthew 7, where he says, this is what it is to do the will of God. Those are the ones that, the, the ones that do the will of God, that's what Jesus is saying. Those are the ones I know. The other ones I don't know. I don't know. I never knew you. Depart from me is what he's saying. So, doesn't that sound kind of critically important for you? Huh? That you better know and do the will of God in your life, Christian. So, there's one life purpose, okay? There's a lot more that could be said, but we're going to move on. Number two is two distinct categories of what? Of God's will. We could say, well, here's God's will. That the sun shines again. You know, that the earth is rotating. Well, yeah, that's, in, that's, that's under God's control, isn't it? Is that, that's part of God's will. Okay? So, what about my life? In understanding, what do I do? Um, is it, where, where is it written in the sky? <laughs> I want it written in the sky. <laughs> I want to have it clear, made clear to me. What about God's will for my life? Well, how do we... You know, how do we differentiate here? And it's this. Letter A, the decreed will of God. It's the, you know, God, we, we read the scriptures and we understand there's a, here's the decreed will of God. It's not going to change. It will be fulfilled. Okay? It's going to come about. And you can't do anything about changing it because it's God's decreed will. All right? What's an example of that? Well, you're in Romans. Turn back in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22. Peter is preaching and he says, Men of Israel, Acts 2. 2.22, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, 
you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So God, in his, free, in his predetermined plan, brought this about, even using sinners in it. That's where our minds kind of go, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. God's using sin, sinners, the Jewish people and the Romans, and in fact, all of us, figuratively speaking, you know, if we were there, we would have been a part of that. And we are a part of it. The whole race of humanity, past, present, and future, are the, the guilty ones that put him to the cross. But God had this, here's this decreed will. Okay? Turn over to Acts chapter 4. You see a little bit more of it. Acts chapter 4, verse 27. For truly in this city were, there were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose, thy purpose predestined to occur. Okay? So we see that. Also, you can mark down Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. It was according to the kind intention of his will that we've been adopted into his family. Okay, so again, much more that can be said that, uh, you know, maybe for a, another study later on, but there's the decreed will of God and some examples of it. Letter B is the commanded will. Here's the commanded will of God. It's like, here's, here's God's desire. And we're reading of it in Romans chapter 12. That you would have your body given over as a living sacrifice and that your mind would be renewed and then transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by who? God. His spirit working in you with the word of God and his own spirit in you bringing about transformation in how you're thinking so that you would what? Discern the will of God in your life. You'd be able to tell what it is. Okay? This is, um, when I say commanded will, this is to be kept. God expects it, his, his commanded will to be kept, yet what? It's different than the decreed will because the commanded will of God, you and I break it. We break his commanded will. We're not always controlled by the Spirit. Right? So, that's, that, there's a little difference there. Now, regarding the commanded will of God, that's where we pick up in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 2, there where he talks in the, in the middle part of the verse, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is, here it is, good, acceptable, and perfect. So number three on the back of your outline, you see it, three necessary descriptions, three necessary descriptions of God's will, that it's good, it's good and benevolent, it's useful, it's helpful to yourself and to others when you are in the will of God, okay? And so understanding that, okay? A good, uh, it's a good that only comes from God. It's a good that is distinguishably good. 
you, you note it that it's, it's good. And it's from God. And it's also acceptable. Simple word here, meaning well-pleasing. It's a compound word. That, uh, that's what it means, well-pleasing. God's will, it's well-pleasing. It's not oppressive. It's not unbearable. It's acceptable. Okay? And if you're having a hard time with some of these issues, some of these definitions and such, that's a part of your sanctification that you need to learn to call it as good and call it as acceptable. And then the third one, you're saying, no, wait a minute, time out. I'm not going to perfect yet. No, that's what the Bible tells us. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Perfect meaning lacking in nothing. It's complete, it's whole. Guess what? Do we have a perfect book here in front of us? The Bible? Yeah. Skeptics will try and point out, you know, problems with it or contradictions with it. But in the heart of the true believer, you you cherish this. This is precious to you. It's the Word of God. And sometimes we, we let that go too quickly. Oh, it's the Word of God. No, it's the Word of God. Okay? And He's trying to develop... Christ's likeness in you so that you and I will walk in the will of God in our lives. It's God's truth. The, the Bible is God's truth. It's absolute authority. It's reliable. It's trustworthy, right? So first and foremost, this is what we trust in. Objective truth. We trust in what the Bible says. God said it, I believe it, and that's what? Good enough for me, right? That kind of a thought behind it. I want to learn to trust God by trusting in His Word. And a lot of times in our lives, we are um, actually brought to a place where we, we have to... There's this tension that goes on. And the tension is this. I've got my, I've, I've got my experience and my feelings about something. And I, yet I've got the Bible and it's truth. And I'm, I've been a Christian for a, a while and I'm growing and I love the Lord. And yet here's this business of my, my subjective feelings versus the Bible. And I've got to be careful because I, I, I'm, I'm prone to go with my subjective feelings, my experience. And I've got to remember to draw my mind back to the truth of God's Word. And as a Christian... The Holy Spirit resides within you. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict His Word. So we've got to be careful as we make decisions. Sometimes you hear people saying, well, the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord told me. And I'm thinking, well, has God said anything new? He's not said anything new. The principles and the riches come forth from His Word. So you need to be careful that your decision-making isn't based more on your feelings than on His Word, the facts of His Word. And I tell you, that's where many of us, myself included, that we can get off base and on fragile 
surf, on fragile ice, you know, thin ice. There it is. <laughs> I can get myself on thin ice because I'm, I'm basing my decision making more on my feelings and my experience than on what I understand is God's word. And God's saying to us, seek my wisdom, trust in me, not in your own understanding, trust in me. So, thus, with that exhortation, you and I, again, we're called back to what? Study the Word. Be studying the Word of God. Let the Word of God richly dwell within you. That's the parallel passage to let the Spirit of God control your life. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Those are parallel passages. So, it's important that we understand that. It's uh, it's the good will, acceptable will. It's the perfect will of God. Okay? So, moving on. Number four, there are four critical realities to being in the will of God. Okay? And I hope that you'll write these down in your outline. Uh, number one, letter A, salvation. God desires that all come to what? Repentance. He desires that all come to repentance, that all come to faith in Christ. He desires that. That's His will. If you are saved, you are in the will of God right there. There's step number one. Okay? Salvation. That you've been born again to new life, John chapter 3, and that you are now, as a child of God, spirit-led and spirit-controlled. Letter B is sanctification. This is where... A lot of Christians, you know, are, are kind of back and forth and, you know, in and out and, and not totally surrendered to Christ, not totally surrendered to the, the precepts of his word. And so then they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian, but their lifestyle does not match up to the word of God. What's happening? There's no sanctification taking place. And God bless you for being here on a regular basis and, and trying to say, I want to study the Word of God. I want to be allowing the Word of God to cleanse my life. Cleanse my thinking. It's, and the reason I say cleanse is because Ephesians 5 talks about it. The washing of the water of the Word of God in your life. To, to kind of wash away the thoughts of the old man, the old flesh. He wants to renew you, brother, sister. And so sanctification is that idea of being purified, the process of it, uh, of being made holy, of being set apart. Mark down Romans chapter 6. You know, here again. Present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. Romans chapter 6, okay? Letter C is service. That's what Romans 12 is talking about. It's talking about that you not only, you know that the Lord is, is your God and He's your Savior, but then here's service. And that's what the rest of Romans chapter 12 gets to talking about. That we as a group would serve Him in love, without hypocrisy, being devoted to one another. And that's what we're going to get into further in, later on in August. But service, it's what Paul wrote about in, in verse 1 here. It's the logical service of worship. That's what results as you understand, here's the mercies of God in my life. I come to this point. I, I look at my life apart from Christ, 
and I look at the mercies of God, and I here's the result. The Spirit of God opening up your understanding to serve Him. And then it's how Paul described himself. He constantly described himself as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Service. Okay, last one, D. Suffering. Suffering. And this is, again, it it deserves more time because there's so much involved here and you and I have experienced it in one way or another. And it might not be for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, it might be regarding physical difficulties and physical trials, sickness and such. And so there's, there's a, a number of ways in which we should try to understand this. But here's the point, and that is, it's for your endurance. It's for your perseverance. And you're kind of thinking, well, okay... I've had enough. Thank you, Lord. You know what? If you're His, remember John chapter 10, are you His through faith in Christ? If you are, you're in His hand. And we get... We get um, dangled, so to speak, you know, next to the fire and we think we can't take it. But is God loving? Is God wise? He knows. And He wants to produce Christ's likeness in you and in me. Okay? So... Um, Knowing the will of God. Not just knowing it, but then doing it. Asking God for wisdom in all the issues of life. Let me give you a quick example, and then we'll transition into communion time, okay? The quick example is from the life of Solomon, King Solomon. And you can study that on your own, but I want to just bring this up. King Solomon is basically most notably known for being the one who asked for wisdom and discernment rather than asked for riches. God basically gave him the carte blanche saying, hey, you ask anything you want, go for it. And what did he do? He asked for the wise thing. God, give me discernment for leading your people. Okay? So he, he was one that we would say he knows He knows discernment. He knows wisdom. He knew the right thing to ask for. He knows it. But listen, some of you know the rest of the story with Solomon. It doesn't just end there that, you know, he made that wise decision between the two moms that were arguing over the baby, right? He just said, okay, cut him in half. The end of the story is that Solomon was an idol worshiper. He compromised. He didn't tear down the high places of worship. That God, back in Deuteronomy chapter 12, told the people, you, you, need, you better do this. You, you, you got to do this. Knock down. You go into that land and you knock down all the, the high places of worship. Well, Solomon didn't. And a number of other kings didn't. They tolerated that and they compromised. And thus, 
the end of the story with King Solomon wasn't all that great. And guess what? It did not all fall upon him as an older man. It started when he was a younger man. He started making choices and allowing things to come about, giving way to some of these things that God said no to, and eventually the downfall came and the kingdom was split. It behooves you, Christian, to pay attention to the examples in Scripture so that you and I might not just know His will and know His wisdom and have discernment and be able to tell right from wrong, but then to what? Do it. And Jesus kind of wrapped it up for us in Matthew 7 in this, in this subject matter in saying, here's the wise man, or here's the foolish man and the wise man. They built on, they built their house but one built on sandy ground, sandy land. And when the storm came, it demolished that one. Same thing for the guy that built on the rock. He built on the rock and the storm came. Emphasis there. The storm did come. But because he built on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, his house stood. What is it for your life? What's it going to be? Are you wanting to embrace the beautiful will of God? Let's not run from it. If you say you're a Christian, embrace it and ask God to help you grow and mature in these ways. All right. Well, we do come to this time now in having our communion time. And I, again, just ask that you would be um, praying for yourself, praying that God would help you if you're going to participate in this. Because it's not a given that we all should participate. Number one, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you should not participate because you're not identified with Christ in his death. If you are a believer you still have to make a decision. Am I taking the elements in a worthy way or 1 Corinthians 11 in an unworthy way? And really that comes back down to our subject matter this morning. Are you in the will of God? Are you saved? Are you being made holy? Are you, are you wanting that more and more? That's a process, right? Are you serving Him? Okay. Those, those issues are, are important for us. I'm not going to drag this out and try and, you know, figuratively beat you up and, and feel, make you feel like, oh, man, now I can't do anything. <laughs> no. This is, the, this is the time to make things right with God. Right? So ask Him, Lord, help me. Help me turn things over to You. And help me to trust You. You know what? That's one of the most... That's the... A major issue for us. Would you just trust God? Know that He will accomplish His work. So, um, I'd like to ask the men who are serving to come at this time.